Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Quinn, recording this on a late night Mother's Day Sunday. Hope hope all the mothers had a wonderful day out there. Certainly, happy Mother's Day to everyone out there, including my own. Um, just hope everybody had just had a, a great day. Um, we are going to uh, this is going to be the beginning of a number of NBA podcasts throughout the till the finals running through the finals uh so be ready for them they're gonna be coming fast and furious uh starting with this one and this of course is episode 883 and it was a boston massacre for the philadelphia 76ers and that's where we're going to begin uh boston advances to their second straight eastern conference finals their fifth Leave fifth in seven years. Um, defeat taking out the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, 112 to 88. Uh, this game was decided in a third quarter that it, where Boston would outscore Philadelphia 33 to 10. And it was, it started out the third quarter 25 going on a 25 to 6 run to start out. Uh, Philadelphia actually had a lead this game, believe it or not, a nine point lead early in the uh, midway. In the uh, first quarter, and then you know, kind of, you know, kind of went back and forth in the second quarter before Boston found this footing. Before I go even deal with the Celtic part of this, because the Jason Tatum performance is one one of the best game seven performances of all time. It, it just is like it, without question. Uh, I know as a Laker fan, it's hard for me to say anything nice about the Celtics, but look, greatness is greatness. He he was spectacular and. Not just with the scoring, but just the all-around game, his defense, the floor game, no turnovers. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll save Tatum and the Celtics for a little bit, uh, a little bit later. You're gonna hear uh, when when it comes to the Sixers, come tomorrow on the radios, the blogs, the internet, Twitter, whatever. You're gonna hear a lot of bashing of two people. James Harden and Doc Rivers. Now, Doc Rivers again lost another game seven. This is he is now six and ten all time in game sevens. He's only <laughs> Doc keeps racking up these numbers with these losses. So six and ten all time in game sevens. His record in closeout games is like seventeen and thirty four, um, all time. Um. James Harden again, nine points, another no-show in a big game, in a game seven or an uh, or elimination game. We've seen a number of that, number of those over the course of, of his uh, Hall, of Soon, or Hall of Fame career. I'm not blaming either one of those guys. I'll be honest with you. The guy who should get the most, who should get the brunt of the blame, the guy who every finger should be pointed at, is number 21, and that is your 2022-2023 NBA MVP, Joel Embiid. Embiid in this game was 5 for 18, 15 points, um, and four turnovers in this game. He was an absolute no-show. Um, he really, in the last two games, I mean, he really didn't do anything in the last two games. You go back to the fourth quarter of game five, excuse me, of game six, um, 
And I know, I understand that he didn't touch the ball the last four minutes, but you know, you are the MVP. You, if like you should demand the ball, like that, that wasn't any excuse, but he was a no show in the fourth quarter of that game. Had a pedestrian 26 and 10, you know, nine for 19, whatever. That's pedestrian for him, for a guy who averages 30, who, who during the season averaged 33, 10 and four. Uh, over the course of, the, uh, of his MVP season. So 26 and 10 is just not going to cut it. But this game, he was just awful um, from the start. Uh, he, you would, you would think that a guy who nightly gets double teamed would be, would understand where double team is coming from. And B, by some of his turnovers were just, he was getting stripped because he seemingly couldn't read the Celtics double teams. And it's like, again, the Celtics did not toss any. In a seven-game series, these teams have played seven times. Coming to this game, have, would have played six times in the regular postseason, four times. This is like this was the eleventh game these teams have played uh, this season. There were no tricks. There were no wrinkles. There was no, there was nothing from a from a X's and O's standpoint that was going to like that you were going to throw at each other where you're gonna where you're gonna fool one another. That just like at this point it's about execution. It is about, you know, who whose best players are gonna step up. And the Celtics two best players dominated the 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 Sixers two best players. It's just that simple. It was very much that that simple. I mean this wasn't even a great the six I mean, but this game I mean the Celtics ended up making some threes in that third quarter, but it wasn't even about the onslaught or barrage to three-point shots. It wasn't about that. Uh, it was about the fact that you have an MVP guy, a guy who's the MVP of the league, a guy who has been, you know, campaigning for MVP for three years, coming up short yet again in another postseason where he can't stay healthy, where and where he is outplayed by the other team's best player, and where he again throws his his team under the bus with poor leadership during a post game press conference. That is who. Uh, that is the total package from from uh, Joel and B. That is who he is, and I don't see it. I don't ever foresee him being the best player on a team that can win the championship because he mentally doesn't have it. He just doesn't. He just some, some guys have it mentally. Some guys just don't. He doesn't have it. Whatever that it is to be an all-time great, to be a champion, championship caliber player, to reach that next level from that standpoint of leadership, he doesn't have it. He just doesn't. Um, that game was on a platter. The Celtics in the first half should have been down. If he's average, if he's average, in the first half, the Celtics should have been down any ten to twelve points if he plays average basketball. Basketball. I mean, you had PJ Tucker making shots uh, early on. You, you know, so they got you know they give up. You give up your teammates, give you a, a little cushion in terms of getting off to a relatively a good start. But he was nowhere to be found. And again, I'm not blaming James Harden. We know what James, We know how James Harden moves in these games, and the bottom line here's the here's the bottom line too, people. Before you really go on, James, before you point to bring out James Harden, James Harden single handedly won you two games in this. If you're a Sixer fan, James Harden won you two games in this series. 
won you game one, the, the game that Joel Embiid did not play because of injury, and he won you game four, of course, the game that really changed the complexion of this series that turned it into a that that really turned it into a competitive long series. They lose that game is three one is probably bye bye in five more than likely. So he like James Harden in essence did his job. If you're a superstar player, if you are a player that's considered to be an all-time great talent, you have to win at least one, if not two games, over the course of a seven-game series. Joel Embiid did not win the one game in this series. The other game that they won, the game five, that to me was a that was a a a, a, a collective effort. Ty Maxi, uh, Ty Maxi had uh, thirty in that game. Yeah, Embiid had thirty-three and seven. Played well, but he wasn't the singular reason why they won that game. Uh, that was a collective to me. That was a collective effort. Harden played well in that game. Maxi played well in that game. And so did Tobias Harris play well. Played well in that game. And the Celtics simply just you know shit their pants. Basically, Celtics were Celtics. Celtics were awful in that game. Uh, in that game five at home, inexplicably inexplicably awful. He didn't win them one game in this series. Not one. And the problem the Sixers have is they have their two leading guys are in essence the same player from a standpoint of not stylistically, but from a standpoint of they are they are regular season, they are great regular season players who in the postseason are just not going to get it done. Harden Embiid is what Harden was three years ago. A dominant regular season player who is going to continuously come up small in the postseason. The difference is at least Harden would stay healthy in the postseason when he came up small. Embiid can't even, you know, Embiid can't even make it through a postseason staying healthy. So at least Harden has some durability. And at least, and by the way, at least Harden was able to get his team to a couple of conference finals when he was with Houston. So that's the difference. But I squarely put this on Joel and B. It's not like it's not even a question. It's, like, it's not even a debate to me. Here's what MB said after at the uh, post game press conference: "Me and James can't win alone. That's why basketball is played five on five. That's that. That is your MVP. If you're a Sixer fan, that is your leader." That's the guy who you've built your franchise around. And that is a guy who, that's not a championship mentality. That's not what you want to hear when in a game seven, you've gone five for 18, 15 points and four turnovers. It's not like, that's not what you want to hear. You know, what you want to hear was, hey, I should have played better. I can play better. I'm going to be on a mission uh, for next season. I still think we can get it done, so on and so on. Not, hey, my teammates aren't good enough, which in essence is what he what, what he said. <laughs> what he said. What he says is, is, you know, me and James can't do it by ourselves. Basically, I mean, basically you were throwing the team under the bus. And by the way, the team, so he and Harden go, look, these numbers here. Uh, I have them here. Harden and Embiid combined to shoot 27% from the field. The rest of the, the, 
their other role players shot 50% from the field. So the role players were actually not the problem in this game. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum outscored Joel Embiid and James Harden 76 to 24. Think about that. Jason Tatum Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown outscored Joel Embiid and, and James Harden 76 to 24. 76 to 24. So that again, I'm not even I'm not even blaming Harden. I mean, Harden is Harden is who he is at this point in his career. I mean, how many I mean how many times have we seen this out of Harden? In a in a game seven or elimination game, I, I'm not. I'm I'm actually I'm really not blaming hard. I'm not in a real way. This was to be. This was squarely on Joel Embiid. Squarely, I'm not knocking Doc either because now you want to say Doc could have took the ball out out of uh, Tatum's hands earlier. Could have dealt with some with some double teams before he got into a rhythm. Okay, we can, sure. But the bottom line is I can't even knock Doc B for this series because he had to navigate MB's through MB's injury and still they got him to a seventh game. So this I mean, to me this was about uh had, this is about a guy who I just don't think will ever get it. And I, I just don't think that you're gonna win a championship with him as your best player. I just don't I I just can't see it. And they're going to have some interesting decisions to make in the offseason. You know, if Harden opts, opts out and go, you know, already rumors, even middle of the season, there were rumors about him going going back to Houston, which would not be a surprise. I mean, Harden, listen, Harden's going to go where the money's at, whoever was willing to pay him. If I were the Sixers, I would not pay. I, 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 I'm sorry. I just would not. I'm not resigning Harden to. I'm, I'm not, like, I'm, I'm going to try to, like, do a sign and trade. With Harden, he would not be on the team next year. Like I think he's going to be thirty-four years old. He's not going to get any better. He's going to get worse as he gets older. Uh, he showed some signs during the season. Had a very good season. Had a couple of good playoff games. Uh, and, and had a couple of good games in this series. But I just like I, he can't be. I don't think Harden. If I don't believe Harden, if Embiid can, can't be a number one on the, on the championship team, I don't think Harden can't. I don't think Harden can be a second best player on the championship team. I, I just don't feel that way anymore. So if I'm the Sixers, I would move off him uh, and, and, and move in another direction. But they have made they that like that team could just this thing could completely just blow up uh, from the standpoint of I could easily see them hard opting out, Doc being Doc being fired, and then be just uh, demanding a trade. That that those those I can easily see that happening, easily. And again, I'm look, you look at the top of this franchise. They're just not. There's not much confidence to have for, uh, about this franchise moving forward. I'm not a believer in Daryl Morey. I'm, I'm not a believer in him. Not a believer in the coach. Not in, in the just top. Uh, just from the from the top of, from the, from the top up. I'm not a believer in this franchise moving forward. With that being said, there was enough on this team to win a championship this year. Sorry, this was not. This is not a. This, 
This, this, the title was wide open this year. It's, it's so wide open this year. There are no dominant teams. None. There are no dominant teams. As talented as the Celtics are, they have a coach who can care less about defense. I mean, <laughs> Missoula in the press conference says, they say, well, you know, there was a difference in the second half. <laughs> he said, well, what was the difference in the second half? Uh, why would you able to, to break the game over? He says, our offense. Dude, you held the Sixers to 10 points. In the, you held the Sixers to 10 points in the third quarter. And in, in the, in the stretch, there was a stretch where the Sixers didn't score a bucket for like six minutes. And he says, our offense. He's just, he's just this guy is just obsessed with, with offense and three-point shooting. He's like, defense is like, uh, okay. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't care about defense, but I like everything is about the offense. If we don't play good defense, it's because of our offense. Like, he's so, I like, I don't, I, I'm not in love with him as a coach by any stretch of imagination. It's good to be honest with you. Because really, this series, with, with him playing the way he played, this series shouldn't even win the seven games, to be honest with you. Missing a game, you know, MD missing one, you know, missing game one, being compromised physically for the first couple games, and not having a having an okay series at best, okay series. This game this series shouldn't even win seven games. Hard being up and down. So, but I mean, Boston is not this great, you know, all time team by by any stretch. They are very flawed in terms of just, you know, count too much on a three point shot. Um. Just from a philosophical standpoint, with the co- I'm just not I'm just not sold on the coach, uh, and, and some and he's still going through his uh, growing pains as a first year coach. But as far as Philadelphia goes, I, I think that this, I, I think that they're going to take a step back in the future. I, I I don't like I don't even think they're going to be this good next year. But this this good come next year, I can see them taking a couple steps back. I. I I really thought that they had enough to win a championship this year. I really did. Considering where we're at, um, with the last, considering this, considering how wacky, uh, and wild this postseason has been, and just like everything they had, everything, everything had, was breaking right for them. I mean, no Giannis. You know, you look at the chaos in the West, holding the state down a peg. Everything that went on with, with uh, Memphis, you know, like everything was breaking right for the Sixers to uh, to possibly win a championship. So I, 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 but so if you if somebody's gonna come and tell me that you know, and I heard this out of Philadelphia, or I heard this up from NBA TV, uh, Sam Mitchell saying that they are like two players away. I'm like, no, Sam, they this roster that's currently constructed from a standpoint of talent, they had the talent. It's just they don't have the mindset or the leadership. That's what Philadelphia lacks. It's not about talent. They have they have a deep they have a talented team. They don't have the will. They don't have the will. I mean, and it starts with Joel and B, James Harden, Doc Rivers, Joel and B, James Harden. That's it. it starts in specifically Joel and B. He is not a guy that says, "Get on my back. I'm gonna take you home." That's what they needed. They needed a guy. They need well. First of all, if he was that that level of player, they would have ended. He could have would have ended the series in six games. Because when you go back to that Friday game, uh, or excuse me, that game on Thursday, you know Tatum has the explosive fourth quarter or three or four minutes, but the, the Celtics were 
the Celtics couldn't hit the side of the barn in that game. The Celtics, like Celtics, the Celtics did not play well at all in that game. You allow them to, you know, they they scored ninety five points. That's a game at home that you have to win, and that's a game where your best player doesn't even allow this to get back to Boston. From a Celtic perspective, um, the Tatum performance is, is one for the ages. Um, you're talking 51, 13, and 5. No turnovers. Um, and in my, keep in mind, in that first half, if he doesn't, you know, if he has an average half, they're down anywhere from 12 to 15 points. Celtics are not playing well, minus him in that first half. They were not, they were five, they were like five or 16. They were not making threes at half. They had made only five of 16 from the three-point line. Um, he kept them in that game to a point to where they were tied at half. He was, he, he single-handedly kept them in that game until until everybody else got on board in that third quarter and Philadelphia kind of came, came apart. So they needed every one of those 25 points in, that, in the first half of that game. And you're talking about in a game seven, going for fifty-one to thirteen, following the fourth quarter he had um, with the, the with the sixteen-point fourth quarter that he had after you know coming to that coming into that fourth quarter with only three points. Listen, I there like and I said I tweeted this. There are only three other players in the league that I would start my franchise off before I would start my franchise with Jason Tatum, Giannis, the Joker. And Luca, those are the only three guys. If I'm starting a franchise today, those are the only three guys that I would take over Jason Tatum as far as starting the franchise. Because he's never, he's not going to be afraid of the moment. He, he's not like he. I think you know is is a legit top seven to eight player in the league, and he's only 25 years old. He's only as people forget, he's only 25 years old. He can get. Better and all they've done is win with him. He's always all he's done. He and Jalen Brown's playing big games. Like I said, this is this is be their, their fourth conference finals as a duo. Celtics fifth conference finals overall in the last seven years. So more years than not, they're good. They're they're almost automatic to go to the conference finals. So his performance, his you know, I think I mean I again, it's one of those performances that you. You know, if you're a Boston fan, you will never forget about. And look at the last two seasons. In the last two seasons, in the conference semifinals, when they had to have it, when they had to have a performance to save their season, he gave it to them. Last year, it was game six in Milwaukee. He goes to 46. This year, it's the game seven. And well, really, I can tell you, it's, it's game, game six, fourth quarter. He saves their season, even though he was bad the first three quarters, but he, you know, was the difference in the fourth quarter and game and game seven? He he was you know, you know, just spectacular in game seven. It was, again, it was it was just one of those future, future uh, virtual performances uh, that you know, I'm sure Celtic fans will remember for, remember forever. And again, you have to remember he's only 25 years old. So I think that there have been times, even this happened during the finals, where we put a where we when he doesn't play well. It says, well, he's not on that level. Well, you know, he, there are only a handful of guys that are better than him right now. There are about, about, only about four or five guys. You want to say Giannis is better? Clearly, yes. Joker, the Joker better? Yes. Uh, 
Steph Curry, yes. That's about it. Like who like you're taking uh, Devin Booker? No. Sorry, I, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take him. I wouldn't take Devin Booker over him, despite how well Devin Booker played in the playoffs this year. Kevin Durant, will I take Kevin Durant over him right now? No. Sorry. I'm not. Not right now. Not with the not with the durability issues that Kevin Durant has. No. I'm not taking Kevin Durant over Jason Tatum. So who else are we talking about here? We're talking about only about three or four players that are that you can say are clearly better players than him. Joel B was MVP, first team all NBA. I'm taking Joel B over Jason Tatum. No. Sorry. I'm not doing it. No, no, no. So there, like I said, that list of players who you would take over Jason Tatum is very is, is going is very short. A lot shorter than people realize, to be honest with you. A lot short. So you had over since we last spoke, uh, over the weekend, we had Golden State joining Phoenix as uh teams that have been put out of their misery, so to speak, in the Western Conference. Uh, to set up a Denver LA uh, showdown rematch of the 2020 bubble, and these are two franchises that are are in very and have some a lot of decisions to make and have a very inter- interesting positions. Now, now let's deal with the the big news. Obviously, uh, in regards to Phoenix, is they need a new coach. Uh, Monty Williams was Monty Williams was let go. Uh, you have this new owner who clearly just doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He just doesn't. He's a new owner. He wants to make a big splash. He may, he We find out that he was the one that negotiated, was the drive, you know, was the drive force behind the Kevin Durant trade. James Jones at this point, I don't know why he keep, he's keeping James Jones, James Jones on because it seems like James Jones has, you know, has basically been emasculated by this dude from the standpoint of he's not, doesn't have any real power anymore. Uh, so I'm surprised they kept James Jones. Um, so they're they are a disaster because these what what happens with these new owners is they become this this uh, team. They buy a new team. They get a new team. They're trying to make a they're trying to make a splash. They're trying to impress friends. They have no clue what they're doing, and this guy has no clue what they're doing because if he did, he would know that Mike Williams was not the problem on that Phoenix team. He's just not. Uh, that Phoenix team roster was limited once they made the trade for Kevin Durant. The DeAndre Aid thing never kind of festered over the course of the season. That never got rectified. And that was the one thing, you know, if you're gonna knock if you're gonna knock Monty Williams for anything, his handling of that situation from last year on, he didn't handle that well. Um, you know, when you, when you hear stories that they didn't speak the entire offseason. Uh, you as a coach, you're you're one of, you're one of the leaders on that team. You have to you have to fix that because like you need this guy to for you to get to where you need to be if you were going to try and try to compete for a championship. Now it could be that DeAndre Aiden is just has a ceiling and his ceiling is going to be you know seventeen ten or seventeen eleven and he's not going to be a difference maker and he's not going to be one of the best big men in the league. That's probably he, that is probably what his ceiling is. To be honest with you, I'm not as high on on DeAndre Aiden as a lot, a lot of people are, especially from Phoenix. I mean, Eddie Johnson thinks DeAndre Aiden is going to be the should be the second coming of you know of the next great big man. I I just don't see it. But was, you know when you get dominated in back to back elimination games, um, 
in back-to-back seasons, you you, you lose by 30 to uh, a Dallas team, not a great Dallas team, a pretty good Dallas team at home in a game seven. Then you lose by 25 at home uh, to a very good but not great Denver team. Denver's very, very good. They're not, they're not a great team in an elimination game. Then, you know, someone's got to go. Someone's going to pay for that. Unfortunately, you have to be money. But again, I, 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 I think that there were just more internal issues with that with that uh, franchise than than um, Monty Williams, and I think that I just don't think those guys liked each other, like each other, and then to me that begins with DeAndre Aiden and the, and the players really not messing with him like that and not believing in him like that. And again, they should they should have probably moved DeAndre Aiden in the offseason last year. They should have probably moved him in the offseason last year. Ultimately, I think they're going to end up doing uh, Monty Williams a favor because, again, I don't like, I'm just, I, I don't see what Phoenix can do in terms of that roster. Like, yeah, you can trade DeAndre Ayton. How much value does he have right now? To be honest with you, I mean, how much value does, does he have? Chris Paul. He's going to be a year older in his con now. Again, to me, I would try. I would move Aiden and Chris Paul if I'm if I'm Phoenix. And you're going to have to move Chris Paul before June or June because his contract, as of right now, has kind of only part of his contract will be guaranteed for next year. So he's scheduled to make thirty million, but that as of right now, only fifteen million of that is guaranteed. Now, when June, I think June thirtieth comes, that that will be. When it's fully guaranteed, so they're going to if they're going to move Chris Paul, they're going to have to move him before that. Then he has some value because the con- Chris Paul at fifteen million dollars, despite his age with one year left, is not is actually actually probably worth taking a risk on. To be honest with you, it has some value. Chris Paul at thirty million, eh, no, no one, no one would want to even touch that, nor should they. I think DeAndre, you can get two. Decent rotation players for, for him probably. But he does still have. I think that he's still young, relatively young. The contract is not terrible, considering that the considering that you know these contracts are about to start go up anyway with this new television money that's coming. So once that you know once that uh, once that new television money comes in, certain contracts are not going to look as bad as they look right now. Just similar to like just like Jordan Poole's contract would not look as bad as it looks. Um, come the next, uh, you know, come the next te- television deal. But Phoenix, Phoenix is a mess right now. They, they had, they. I mean, Kevin Durant is not getting any younger. Uh, you have one piece that you have one, you know, diamond, and that's of course uh, Devin Booker. But you don't have much else after that, and you don't have, and you traded all your assets to get Kevin Durant. As far as Golden State goes, I I think Golden Golden State is is probably is 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 in more clearly in more uh in superior shape than what Phoenix is. But they of course have have their have decisions to make of their own as far as what they needed to do with that roster. I think Golden State, uh, Jordan Poole, you can move Jordan Poole. I don't think that. I think they will probably resign Clay and Draymond at reasonable deals. I don't think they're going to get big. I don't think either one of those guys is getting big money. 
uh, especially Clay. Clay is eligible for an uh, extension, four years, two hundred million dollars. He will not. They will not. He will not sniff that. I don't feel. I don't think. And I think if you're if you're Golden State, similar to Phoenix, you have a you have a player uh, for different reasons that you just absolutely cannot bring back, and that's Jordan Poole. Um, Jordan Poole last year in the postseason was basically was seventeen points on fifty percent shooting. And had a number of games, and he was inconsistent at times, but had a number of games. He had a couple games where he was the difference in those games. This year, Jordan Poole was 10, 10 points a game on about 34% shooting. So, was not the same, was nowhere near the same player that he was in the postseason last year. And again, it doesn't help when you get punched in the face on during training camp and in essence knocked out. They, as a team, he as a player, never, never recovered from that. They handled it poorly without – didn't give Draymond Green any type of real – any type of punishment. He still was allowed to do a ring ceremony. He apologized for it, but there was no recovering from that. I don't care what anybody says. They – that that's just – that that situation was never right, rectified. And, again, you ideally, Jordan Poole is still, uh, still a very young player, like similar to DeAndre Ayton. But – I but similar to DeAndre Aiden, I don't think any either one of those players are fixable in their current situations. I don't think Jordan Poole is fixable in Golden State. I could see Jordan Poole going on another team and averaging 20, 25 points a game. He is a pure scorer. He can get buckets. Now he can average that. And the team is not going to win. He's not a number one or two or, or for matter, he's not a number one or two on a, on a team that can win a championship. Maybe he could develop into a number three or four. But he can score. That's one thing he can do is score. And is, again, I don't think his contract is that bad considering the fact that he can score, considering the fact of how young he is. So I still think I, I do think that they will have to move him and to try to get some, you know, maybe uh, try to get some added depth uh, uh, for him or even a draft pick. But Jordan Poole has to go. Like he, I mean, he absolutely has to go for them to move forward. He cannot, you like, you cannot have him. That that situation is is that situation is done. It is. It, it's that situation is like he that that whole dynamic in that locker room. I don't care what anybody says. They again, they're gonna side with Draymond Green because Draymond Green is a, has won championships with him. Nobody's gonna like nobody in that locker room. No, no one who means anything or who matters in that situation in that in that locker room is gonna is gonna point the finger at Draymond Green. This is this is not gonna happen versus Jordan Poole, even though Jordan Poole was, was in that in that situation was the victim. <laughs> he got punched in the he got knocked out and punched in the face, and Draymond was clearly clearly wrong. But he like you can't have him back on the team next year. Um. I'm not listen. I'm not really gonna say Golden State. Golden State still has Steph Curry. Steph Curry is still one of the top five players in the league. Um, even at the age of 35, I think he's never been better. To be honest with you, as far as what he could do, all of his all around skill and still shoot the ball at a high level. So, I, like Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. Um, and Clay Thompson regular season. And I know Clay was awful, especially in this playoff series against the Lakers. He was horrible, three for 19 in that game six, but. Clay still was twenty one points and forty percent on on three point shooting this year. The thing about Clay Thompson is he's he's no longer the dude who if he's not making shots, then you can't have him on the court in certain situations. And they're gonna have to add they're gonna have to add some pieces to where 
you can afford to take Clay off the court if you're not making shots. This year, Steve Kerr did not have that luxury. And that's where that's where player development is going to have to come in for Golden State because there's to me there's no reason whatsoever why Jonathan Kaminga cannot should not be playing playoff minutes at this stage in his career right now. Like is that like that guy? He's that guy has far too much talent, and for what he for what he can do is 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 tailor made for today's NBA as an athletic, you know, six seven guy. Can defend block shots, um, not polished yet offensively. But there's no they they have completely dropped the ball on him as far as his his development. He should be getting playoff minutes at this. At, he should have been he should have been able to contribute in this series. Like that. So they to me to me, uh, the biggest move they're gonna do, the biggest the biggest the most important part of their offseason could be his development. Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga should be able to get minutes. He should be a guy next year that, in essence, should be anywhere from 15 to 17 points in the regular season, take pressure off Clay, Draymond, and, and, and build some of their older players, and in the postseason, get legitimate postseason minutes to where he could fill in that offensive load for what for, for when they replace uh, Jordan Poole. If and when they replace Jordan Poole. So again, two teams that are kind of at a crossroads. Um, even you know, Golden State, Bob, you know, not Bob Myers might not even be back. So that would be a major loss. Phoenix again, I have, don't have expectations for Phoenix. Phoenix is is in a is up shits. They are up shits creek without a paddle. They they're in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble as a franchise. So this morning, you know, amongst, amongst, you know, you wake up and you see a ESPN alert, and I got the ESPN app, and lo and behold, John Morant is on a, on a, on a, on another Instagram posted with a gun. I mean, I don't you know what I don't know how old this video is when it came out. The, 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 the bottom line is he's on a was was on a video with a gun in his hand once again. Um, now, come today, today, come tomorrow, you're going to hear the same shit. Everything that John Morant has to lose in regards to this, his shoe contract, his shoe contracts, uh, his endorsements, you're going to hear all that bullshit and all that, and all that could be true. That, like that is missing. People are missing the force from the trees. I don't care about the money that John Morant could lose in this situation. What I care about is John Morant, the human being, and what, where is, like, how, how much has to be taken from him in order for him to wake up and, and turn his life around. So, the first, the first thing, you know, he go through, he goes through the situation a couple months ago in March with the, at the strip club, with the gun, he gets suspended for, in essence, eight games. He gets publicly embarrassed, goes through this fake, you know, this fake rehab, uh, does the does the apology on, on ESPN or ABC with Jalen Rose. So, so that all was for, on the, that was all some on, on the surface bullshit. Um, 
just going through the regular. All right, just just to say that hey, I, I get it now, and so on and so on. Even during even the press conference after they were eliminated by the Lakers, you know, um, my actions contributed to us losing. Ooh, and and no shit. That's minuscule, right? That's minuscule. You still have you still have millions of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in the bank. You're still John Morant. You're still the face of the franchise, and so on and so on. I fear, and I hope I'm wrong, that in order for John Morant to turn this thing around and turn his life around, that he's going to probably have to hit rock bottom. When I mean turn his life around, I'm not even talking basketball. I'm talking about turn his life around. That's what I fear. And I don't, again, you're going to hear this tomorrow. And I, I, always, I saw this on Twitter about trying to basically conflate the gun, gun, you know, the gun issue with punishment, with his punishment and so on and so on. I Listen, I, I, this is not a, John Moran having a gun, um, this is not a gun issue per se. This is not about gun laws. It's not about Second Amendment rights and right to bear arms. It's not, you know, I've heard all types of shit like, oh, you know, he's, I, you know, he's not dangerous. Him, him I, you know, I heard, saw one thing. Well, him waving a gun is not, is not irresponsible. That's what I heard on the internet. You see a lot on the internet. There's, I saw on Twitter. Him waving a gun in a, in a video is not irresponsible. Okay. And it actually is not a threat to anybody. Cool. It's not a threat to anybody. I don't, do I fear John Morant? Do I fear that, do I fear John Morant because he's holding a gun in a video? No. Do I think John Morant is a threat to society because he's holding a gun in a, in a Instagram live video? No. That's not the point. John Morant is a threat to himself right now. He is his own worst enemy right now. And I keep hearing also, you know, the people that he surrounded himself with, that he has moved, he has moved different from that standpoint. Sure. If I'm not so sure it would change if he was by himself. Right now, John Morant's biggest enemy is John Morant. Like, no one's making John Morant do this. Like, it's not... It's not him trying to be with the in crowd. He is making these decisions. That's the scary part about it. Like he's like, this is him. Like he's 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 steering this shit. So I, I, again, I don't. I'm not. Please, let's not get let's not get sidetracked with his contracts, his endorsements, and also the gun the gun issue. In terms of uh, like, let's not make this about right to bear arms. That I don't, I don't want to hear that shit. That those are two separate issues. The issue here is you have a young, you have a twenty-three-year-old young man who, frankly, is lost right now. He's lost. That's all there is to it. He's lost. And again, I don't. I can't even tell you. I don't know what the solution is. What will turn around John Brand's life? What is going to like? What is going like? How John Brand's going to the light bulb? When the light bulb is going to is going to turn on? In terms of hey, I need to change my ways. But I do fear that he's going to, have to lose everything in order to in, in order to turn this around. And that doesn't even guarantee anything. 
that doesn't guarantee he turns it around. But I fear that he's going to have to lose. That, that's my biggest fear of when it comes to John Moran. As far as the suspension goes, I listen, I, I think, you know, you heard some, some you know, you heard some of the personalities on television, you heard some people already talking possibly, possibly in terms of guessing that it could be a 20, 25 game suspension. Uh, is important. I like that. That's a big deal, but it's not a big deal. Like I even, I don't even think the suspension would, would have, would wake him up. I don't even think a 25, 20 to 25 game suspension would wake him up, to be honest with you. Now, do I, I expect that the NBA will hit hit him hard with a, with a suspension to start off the season. I do expect it to be double digits. I don't know if it's going to quite reach 20 to 25 games. I I would guess probably maybe in that 10 to 15 range. Because remember, this still is a player's league. Uh, and there's still something like, like the NBA Players Association is, is relatively – as in comparison to the NFL Player Association, does have some pool and has some power, and so they have they you know so from that standpoint. So I, yeah, he's going to get suspended, but that's you know that's neither here nor there. The point is, there's a lot of time between now and next season. You have a, a summer. We're approaching summer. Like, what's next? Like, what in terms of job rent? Like, what is next? What is he going to? What is he going to do next? That, that puts himself in a that puts himself in a uh, compromising position because just 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 doesn't seem like it's just this is going to stop. So again, I, you're going to hear a lot about the gun gun thing as far as you're going to hear the, this you're going to hear this turn into a gun a gun argument in terms of from that standpoint you're going to hear you know endorsements. Fuck all that. I don't I, I don't care about the gun the gun part of it. I don't care about him him. With, I don't care about the the amount of endorsements that he can lose. I care what I care about is John Morant. That's what I care. That's what I care about. And him turning around his life. I really discussed Monty Williams being out. Um again, Monty Williams will have his pick of a job. Like he Milwaukee. Um where like I don't, I don't see him being going to Toronto. I think I think Monty's at a level to where he could basically like if it's like a like Milwaukee, I'm sure if Philly gets rid of Doc, that and keeps him beat that may attract him, but he's going to have his pick if he wants. To, if he wants, to, he may even shoot, choose to sit out a year, but he's going to have his pick at what what job he he wants. There's no question about it. So uh, be very interesting to see what happens with that. Um. So I mean, listen. The bottom line is in like outside the, outside the NFL, there's a d has been a devaluing of the coach manager in terms of. For hockey, football, hockey, baseball, basketball. It does not mean what it used to mean to be a head coach or a manager. It just doesn't in those particular sports. You see it in baseball all the time. It's all about the analytics. You got general managers, in essence, calling shots and telling the manager what to do from the standpoint of who, who he should play or what type of style, philosophy that, 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 that the team should have. Um, you and, and in basketball, again, analytics, and new ownership and, and what have you and these coaches, even if you're winning championships. I mean, think about it. Think about who's been let go over the over the last couple of weeks. Nick Nurse, championship coach, Mike Budenhoser, championship coach, Monty Williams was in the finals, two time coach of the year. So the accolades just that that doesn't matter anymore. Like they this has become such a, a players league that the players are like again, the players the players are dictating the players and owners are dictating 
all the moves at this point. Players and owners. So it's like you're a coach, you know, keep your you know, uh, you know, keep your resume ready. And, you know, nothing that none of these moves surprise me anymore when a coach get when a coach get let when a coach gets let go, especially in the NBA. It just doesn't it's not you shouldn't be surprised even a coach that's winning basketball games. So it's so this is not just about it's not just about winning any anymore. Um, unless your name is Popovich Spolstra, uh you like there's no job that's safe. <laughs> you don't have to say like unless you're unless you're one of those two coaches, anybody can anybody can get it. Anybody like anybody can go. There are two there are two guys who have safe who are absolutely who are safe. Eric Spolstra and Greg Popovich. That's it. That is those are the only two coaches right now that have complete job security. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. We will be back in a couple of days as we look, we'll be looking at game ones of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. I will see you soon. So long.